0: Hello there again, and welcome to Here Comes Christmas on the thirteenth of December, which
1: is the third Sunday in
0: Advent. It is. So it's Paul and Rachel here again, and hello, uh, (laughs) glad you could join us. So, um, we're on the downward slope now, heading into Christmas.
1: Oh, do we want to think of it as downward slope? Well, there's
0: more days behind us in this podcast than there are in front of us. That's that's good for me. Yes, it is. OK, <laughs> so, my love, um, we look back on history, usually at the beginning of the show. So what have we got that happened On December the 13th in Days Gone By.
1: Well, when I was a child, I well remember Mary Poppins coming out as a film. Yes. And I had the book and there was a photograph of Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins on the back cover. And I could still see it. And I thought she was the most beautiful person ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're not talking about her today We're talking about Dick Van Dyke Who was born on this day In 1925 And is still kicking his heels
0: He's about 95 now So Mm. going strong Very talented guy
1: It's a shame isn't it Because Mary Poppins I mean, he was lovely in it, but he was really ridiculed for it, wasn't he? With his accents and everything.
0: It's a shame that he's got so many accomplishments over his life. And the thing that keeps coming up every time you mention Dick Van Dyke is his appalling Cockney accent. (laughs) Actually, it wasn't so much his fault because apparently his voice coach was an Irishman who wasn't actually any better at a Cockney accent than he was. And nobody told him on whilst he was filming that the accent wasn't quite the thing. I've just been actually listening on audiobooks to Julie Andrews' biography. Mm. And uh, she says that he was such a professional on that shoot. And he taught her a lot about the business. But uh, yeah, his accent, unfortunately, was the thing that let him down. But he's he's laughed about it since then. So in the film, he not only played Bert the chimney sweep, he mm. played Mr. Dawes Senior as well, the, the old yes. guy at the end of the film. And he was made up. And apparently he had to really persuade Walt to let him play this second part. And he even actually paid Walt Disney $4,000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be allowed to play this part. And he said a few years ago, yeah, he'd do it again.
1: Yeah, how wonderful.
0: It shows how much he loved the business. And, mm. of course, in the in the latest remake, Mary Poppins Returns, he plays the son of Mr. Dawes Senior, but still as an old guy and um, they made him up with a a, a beard a, and white hair and he said do you realize that you're actually making up a 90 year old man to look like a 91 year old
1: he's a lovely chap long may he continue absolutely mm.
0: um, what else happened on this day
1: well it's the last time that a man actually stood on the moon Mm-hmm. And I say a man because a woman has never stood on the moon. And uh, so I think that's quite a historic thing. And that was in the year 1972.
0: Yeah. So we better say who they were, guys. Okay. It was Eugene Cernan, Harrison Schmidt and Ron Evans who's, who stayed up in orbit. I always feel sorry for the guy mm. who has to stay in the orbiting module and doesn't get a chance to go down to the moon.
1: Yeah. Who was it who stayed up on the first moon
0: landing? OK, uh, quiz then. So who, who put the first foot on the moon? Neil. Neil Armstrong? Neil Armstrong. Who was the second guy?
1: Buzz Aldrin.
0: And who was who stayed in orbit?
1: I don't know. Who no. stayed in aud-
0: orbit? <laughs> Michael <laughs> Collins. Nobody ever remembers him, mm. do they?
1: That's sad, isn't it? It is. Mm.
0: So you said that no woman has been to the moon yet, but... Yeah. Uh, NASA is planning to go back to the moon in 2024, and that will include uh, female crew members. And even Mm. the whole mission is named after a goddess this time, Artemis, Mm. who is the twin sister of Apollo. So that's rather neat, isn't it?
1: That's very neat. Very clever. Yeah. Good for them.
0: That's his before, if unless Elon Musk gets there first.
1: I know.
0: He's planning his space tourism uh, probably about 2023, and he's planning to actually take a trip around the moon with some Japanese billionaire tourists. Isn't
1: Richard Branson planning Possibly. something? Possibly. They're all there. racing mm-hmm. there. It,
0: it's Actually, it's going to be, uh, all things permitting, it's going to be an exciting decade, I think, of actually launching from the moon, out to Mars and, and other places from here on. So stay tuned, folks.
1: I know. I don't think you and me will be on the
0: rocket. I, 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 I'm <laughs> planning to be around, <laughs> at least to watch it from the comfort of my sofa. Yes,
1: that is the best place to
0: watch it. Okay, time to move on to things Christmassy. What do we have today? Mm,
1: let's do a song, shall we? Mm-hmm. And this is a wonderful, it's just a beautiful little song by Michael Head and it's called The Little Road to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And who is it sung by, Paul? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, this is going to be sung by our son Joe uh, when he was nine years old about ten years ago. Here we go.
2: As I walked down the road that set of sun The lambs were calm. I so-
0: So that was our son, Joe, when he was an angelic chorister 10 years ago. You wouldn't believe now that he sings notes that are basso profundo, (laughs) a lot lower than I could possibly get down to.
1: Yes, and he's no longer angelic, is he really? Oh. (laughs) Oh dear, we're going to carry on thinking about that little road to Bethlehem and how it was a very long way to go for mary and for joseph this is a poem by carolyn Arons, and it's read by a friend of ours
3: tina well caesar's wish was their command what a long way to go a census down in bethlehem what a long way to go Goodness gracious have mercy too many miles for poor Mary she was so far along that it had to be such a long way to go three Eastern Magi on a quest what a long way to go a star was shining way out west what a long way to go goodness gracious man alive I'm telling you, those kings had drive. It was two whole years till they finally arrived. What a long way to go. People say that love has limits. People just don't know. How far the love that came that Christmas is prepared to go. From realms of glory to bales of hay What a long way to go. From king of heaven to tiny babe, what a long way to go. Goodness gracious, glory be, God came down to you and me, from a throne to a manger to Calvary. Such a long way to go.
0: Thank you, Tina and now to quote a famous phrase for something completely different
1: well i'm going to pose a question to you how long would we as a human race survive without
0: bees without bees mm. um yeah thinking about it what bees do for um, pollination and all those good things yeah i suppose that would be a challenge
1: mm. Well, according to Albert Einstein, who thought about it quite some time ago, he suggested that the human race could survive four years, but no longer, because a lack of bees would totally destroy the balance of the Earth's ecosystem.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So is, is bee shortage a problem at the moment?
1: Well, the bees have been really suffering in one way, shape or form. So we talked to our friend Nikki, who's been keeping bees for three or four years now. And we asked her how she learned all the things that you have to learn before you take the huge step of bringing some bees home under your arm. Mm-hmm.
4: So I did this six week evening course and I just found it fascinating and then it ended up you would visit a local apiary and, and I got to have a rummage about inside a hive and I just thought well, I can do this, this is really, I can I can get into this so I bought the kit and that's another thing I liked about it because I like using my hands so I had to assemble this wooden beehive which I find very satisfying and put it up and I bought a box of bees and brought it back in my car with my bee suit on in case the bees escaped from the box, and a few did.
0: I've been really conscious over the last couple of years how the decline in insect life that you see around. It always used to be the case when I was much, much younger. We'd go out for a drive in the car in the summer... And you would come back with a, a huge collection of insect life spluttered across the front of your yes. car. That doesn't happen anymore. That's true. And there's obviously a, a, a general decline out there. Is this happening in the bee world too?
4: It is happening in the bee world and they are quite a bellwether for any stresses there are in the environment there's a whole host of things that tend to affect bees um, for example climate change I mean last winter was quite warm and wet and actually the bees hate that and um, pesticides on crops um, kill off the bees and uh, loss of forage and losing the hedgerows and losing all, all the flowers in the hedgerows and diseases being imported um from, from Europe, and predators like the Asian hornet that just goes in and destroys a hive. Um, there's, a, there's a whole myriad of things, and probably air quality, lots of things that threaten the, the honeybees. Um, and, and, and so, yes, bee, bees are an indicator of all the things that are going wrong in our environment that affect all the other insects as well, I'm sure.
0: So many folk may say, OK, well, that's a shame, but fewer um, few less bees, bit less honey... Never mind, we'll, we'll press on. But is there a wider consequence or a problem with that?
4: Well, of co- yes, of course. I mean, I, th- I think people are becoming much more aware of pollinators in general, not just honeybees, but butterflies and all sorts of little critters. Um, we really need them to um, allow plants to propagate and plants that we all depend on, like major food crops, and coffee and all sorts of things. are I mean, if, if, if the bees go... Um, uh, we'll follow, I suspect, because it'll have a major impact on our our own diets. What are we going to do then How do we fix that well I mean I don't think it's specific to bees. I think it's it's the environment in, in general. And I mean, we can, we locally can encourage pollinators. There's all sorts of things that we can do, even if you've got a very small garden to attract pollinators and make things easier, like little bee hotels and plants that bees really like. And they're so important for biodiversity in general.
0: Tell us about the good things then that bees can provide for us.
4: Every August, I go up and I take some frames of honey out of the beehive and I take them back to my kitchen and I have to close all the doors and windows because if a bee flew in and discovered some honey it'd fly back to the hive and tell all its bee friends that this is where the honey has gone and then they'd all come en mass, to take the honey back to the hive so I close all the doors and windows and, and put the frames of honey in a thing that looks a bit like a, an old-fashioned spin dryer that spins round and round and round and all the honey sort of flicks out to the edge of the barrel and trickles down the side and then I open a tap at the bottom and it filters through a bit of muslin and straight into a jam jar and um and then i give the honey to an elite selection of my friends and relatives it's very rewarding it's a bit like if you make cookies for somebody and give them to them you know you have a wonderful sense of benevolence (laughs) about it so the bees and i have a nice time in the summers but the, the honey is is great and we also i i also can recycle some wax you know there's Once the honey is stored in wax honeycomb Some people really like it Normally we give the wax frames back to the bees Because it takes a lot of energy for bees to make wax It takes more energy for them to make wax Than it does for them to make honey so once I've spun all the honey out of the frame, I put the frame back in the hive and they tidy it all up. And then they'll use it to make put more honey in next year. And you'll get more honey that way. But sometimes it's good to take old frames out because they might get a bit manky and moldy. And I, I can melt the wax down in a big steamer thing and through some muslin and then... I can use the wax to make all sorts of things like candles and lip balm and moisturiser and seals and all sorts of things. And of course, you know, especially in churches, they've been doing that for centuries and the wax has a lovely honey smell to it.
0: Thanks to Nikki, And you may think this hasn't been a very wintry subject to tackle right now, but encouraging insect life, which really is so important to us all, is a year-round issue. It's scary,
1: isn't it, to think how much the earth has changed and the whole environment has changed. You could never sit inside on a summer evening with a light on and the window open, could you? Mm -hmm. You'd just be full of little flies. You could now you?
0: so if if you'd like to know more about what you can do just do a google search for something like how to encourage bees in the garden and you'll find lots of information online from friends of the earth and gardeners world and uh, and lots more we all really need to do our bit if we can It is time to hear from Reverend Simon Lewis, who joins us every day with his thoughts on the Nativity story, almost line by line. So once again, here's Simon.
5: Our reading today is verse nine of chapter two. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were very, very afraid. and the question you're a shepherd? You've been brought up believing in God, that you're a part of God's chosen people. You're doing your job one night, sitting in the dark, and suddenly an angel appears with a very strong light all around. How scared are you then? As I said on a previous day, the angels are good at getting in on the act of bringing good news. Now what I find interesting about this verse is the symbolic picture painted for us by the author. An angel standing before these outcasts. The glory of the Lord shining around these outcasts. And these outcasts are greatly afraid. What we are presented with is darkness being showered with brilliance. As the people who wait in the dark see a great light and hear good news. In this angelic announcement to these ordinary and outcast sheepherders, we have two Contrasting signs, the humble setting of the birth and the glorious and angelic announcement about this birth, the two could hardly be more dramatic. And yes, these shepherds reacted immediately like Mary. They were afraid.
0: Thanks very much, Simon. Uh, time to go again? It is. Yeah, I suppose you want a Christmas joke.
1: Well, no I don't, but Tina does, so you've got to oblige. Right, Paul, can you give me a, a joke that includes bees, yeah. as we've been talking about bees today?
0: OK, well, what do you call a bee that won't stop eating at Christmas?
1: I don't know. What do you call a bee that won't stop eating at Christmas?
0: A little chubby. <laughs> mm. That is rude. They are getting wet. Look... Sorry, folks, don't expect them to get any better. We are scraping the barrel towards the end of the season now. Anyway, hope you'll join us tomorrow.
1: Goodbye, then.
0: Bye for now.